This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by Pillar Performance, Australia's first micronutrition brand, providing high-strength formulations to support optimal performance and recovery for endurance athletes. Available now at pillarperformance.com.au. Welcome to episode number 215 the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Big show coming at you. We'll be uh, recapping all the results from the Melbourne Marathon, talk about the European Cross Country Championships, be talking about Victorian 5K champs. Uh, Moose will be on the loose, or maybe a purchase of the week, or maybe some rules of Strava. Not sure what's coming up in that segment yet. Going to be phoning one of our friends who's going to be on the panel for our new side project on Patreon, so a bit more from them a bit later on. And we'll be doing all the other things that we usually do on the podcast. Welcome, my co-host up in Canberra, Bradley Croker. Welcome to you. Thanks, Brady. How are you feeling today? Ah, uh, yeah, some sore quads, but um, not too bad. I think coming home and going on dad duty like straight away was better than going to the pub and having twenty beers and being. You know, mm. when you're super hungover after a marathon as well, and it's yeah. like a bad combination. Whereas I'm just like, I've just got battered legs. My head's actually fine. I was at work today and business as usual. So um. Yeah, it's been a big 24 hours, but yeah, looking forward to talking to you tonight. And I must mention that you plan the show this week, so um, if it's no good, let Croaks know. If it is yeah. good, just um, pretend I didn't say anything. I'm so knackered. That... I feel like I've run a marathon after doing the agenda. People don't know, do they? Like hours of work. And copied and pasted a few things. All I can see here is copy-paste. How, yeah, uh, how, many agendas, how many agendas have you done, Moose? Yeah, in, 200, in 215 episodes, how many agendas have you done? The star doesn't do the homework. <laughs> the star comes on, beats the star, and then gets off. That's why I didn't even ask you. I'm just like, Brad, could you please do it this week? A bit of copy and paste. Yeah, yeah. Your hand gets a bit sore from Command C, Command V. That stuff's <laughs> hey, hard. You're right, though, Brady. You're right about getting on the piss after a marathon. I reckon I've fucked up a few marathons where, like, I didn't get a chance to fully enjoy and appreciate it because the next day I had that full depression hungover mm. hating myself like oh and yeah it's a it's a bad it's bad i like it it ruins it a little bit don't get me wrong i sat down on the couch and enjoyed a couple of i think i had three beers yesterday afternoon but it wasn't yeah the standard like you know we went to the pub after berlin and i remember dane verway and i walking around some subway we were lost listening to like buskers and stuff at 2am in the morning and then you yeah. just wake yeah you wake up the next day and you just um yeah, you don't know which is worse, the hangover or the marathon legs. I'll tell you what's worse, though, than getting on the piss after you've finished a marathon is getting on the piss in Berlin after you've pulled off 
at 21k of the marathon mm-hmm. and then and then have to sit on a bus the next day down to munich yeah, that's not much horrible. fun because yeah. you haven't even done a marathon <laughs> you hung over and you don't have much to celebrate what about <laughs> liam what about liam at that party that we had yeah he so got like didn't in he the get bathtub. on the plane at like 7 a.m the next morning yeah just full pissed like, like as as drunk as just ran two twelve. Yeah, and then had to get up on a plane back to Australia at like ridiculous hour. Oh, blue collar, it's blue collar marathoner. <laughs> horrible life. Does everything blue collar that guy? Uh, so that's good. My other co-host in Anglesey, coming off a big day himself actually yesterday, high stress day for Moose down there. Welcome to this week's show. Thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm, pr- I'm more cooked than if I ran, and <laughs> and that's like I'm not complaining to people that ran, but. Uh, my job was harder than yours yesterday. Did you hear about his bike croaks? No, I didn't. <laughs> he got a flat tyre. He took like, the e-bike down and then got a flat tyre the night before. Night before, <laughs> I, was, I was trying to find a pump because I went to the servo, but they don't have... This is like just before we were about to go to bed, Bree looked at the bike and she's like, oh, the tyre's flat. And the, it's like the rim was on the ground flat. It wasn't just like a little bit. It was fully cooked. And... Um, and so then I tried to find out a place to pump it, Googling it. Went to a, went down to MSAC, Melbourne Sports Aquatic Centre, and trying to find a communal bike pump. Found it, pumped the tyre up in the pitch black, got back to the hotel. It was flat again. Uh, so I was, I was freaking out because everyone had already given me the drinks. Everyone had gone to bed by this stage, so I couldn't go asking for – I couldn't go asking for um, – like help or anything and or telling people hey you got to find someone else to do drinks so i got up early went and found like a rental bike you know those bikes that you see around the city yeah found one found one of those on the side of the street and just rolled with it and it actually worked pretty well yeah so did you have to like hire is that how they work down there we don't have those things in a chuga do you just call oh, it bank you haven't, or something? you haven't actually got the invoice yet but it's coming later tonight oh yeah um Waterboy yeah, fees. Pretty fucking expensive, those things. <laughs> <It was laughs> Charge you by the minute. You were doing a few of us, weren't you? Yeah, we'll split it between the five yeah, you're people. All yeah. yeah, I reckon the guy who won out of the group should pay, Toby Mende. Make him pay the whole thing. He's probably got the least amount of money out of everybody, though. Yeah. I, reckon, I reckon you're probably the wealthiest. No, mate, I've got, I've got three jobs I'm trying to juggle here. You've got three houses. I don't have any. I've got one house. I'm one house You've got, You're paying, Brady. You're paying. paying. Anyway, let's get off that topic before I get uh, an invoice chucked at me. Um, who wants to go first? Croaks, you've gone off Strava. So between the two of you, both of you are doing nothing on Strava. Mm, I'm happy to go, if you like. Go for it. Um, yeah, so Monday I did an hour at 4.19s. Tuesday headed out to Stromlo. Uh, motivation was not super high for this one, um, especially when I sort of warmed up and the the young guys that I normally train with weren't there again. Uh, the session was a five four three two one minute off a seventy five second jog. Uh, I did that around the two k loop. So um, the idea was to I guess progress the effort. Um, the pace is sort of hard out there to get like you don't necessarily run faster each rep depending on where you are on the course um but that was so the two guys who i knew were going to be the quickest i just said look i'll just run i'll run with you guys today and um they're these guys that like one's i think is an ex-footy player one was like 
part of like the national road series cycling so like they're you know pretty fit sort of guys but relatively new to running and um for some reason they just like like just stick it to you for the first couple of reps and so for the five minute and the four minute rep i'm like i probably wouldn't even be running this fast if i was like on my own um but then by like the three minute rep i'm on my own um so in terms of the pace, uh, I think my quickest rep was like 3.15 pace. Oh, sorry, my slowest was 3.15. My quickest was three minutes. Uh, ended up doing, I was just short of 6K in the 20 minutes. Um, so I think it was like 20.06 or something it took me. Uh, yeah, so that was that session. I wore the I wore the Streak LT3s again, um, which at the time I didn't think it had caused me too many issues but then later in the week it had so uh, I went to work on the Wednesday morning and I was like oh my lateral calf is just like a little bit tight and I can feel it when I walk around and if I hop and um, but I went out that afternoon and I was able to run 70 minutes at 4.16s and it, it didn't really cause me too much too many issues um, other than it just sort of being a bit tight then Thursday afternoon I ran on the treadmill had the um had the cricket set up on the iPad, uh, so I did 50 minutes uh, at like 4:37s, and like the calf was tight to start with, but by the end of it, it felt fine. Then on Friday I was going to do like a treadmill tempo, warmed up, um, and then sort of so basically I, for this session I sort thought with my calf I was like oh, I'll just keep it all at like 3:30s or 3:31s. And it was fine. And then I got to about, uh, what, just over, like 20 minutes in, and it just started to get tighter and tighter and tighter, like very similar to – actually, it's almost in the identical place to Melbourne half a few years ago, but on the other on the other foot. And it, it just gradually – like it's not – I guess it doesn't – like if you tear a muscle, like you just go, oh, shit, I've torn my calf. Like it's not like that. It just gets tight and tight and tighter. So at like just over 6K, I pulled the pin. Um, I was able to cool down at 4.48 and not really feel it too much, but it was just a bit tender then, um, like, all weekend. So I actually didn't run on Saturday. Uh, I just went to the gym and rode the bike for 70 minutes, and then I actually took Sunday completely off. So went and got some treatment today uh, from Jimmy Barker, um, one of our ex-guests, uh, um, and so he thinks it might be just like super tight sort of perineal, but he didn't like it's, I don't think it's a tear. It's just, um, just a bit of tightness, which I think was from those, those really like low profile, lightweight, uh, racing flats, which I'm obviously not used to. So, um, yeah. And, um, I actually give Jimmy a shout out to the guy's 44 and he ran 8.28 for 3k two weeks ago on the track. So it's pretty good going. So yeah, that was my week. So 73k of running and 70 minutes on the bike. Crokes. Yeah. Why why are you not acting your age? What with the shoes? With the shoes and doing those fast four hundreds. You this is how old men get injured. I yeah, said so this the, last week, didn't I? I said yeah, high you, risk, you, low reward. What happens well, week after? Daddy's calf. The reason it, I just the reason why I put those shoes on was I find like if I if I wear the shoes that I normally wear, like for all my other sessions, like the higher stack shoes on the grass, I'm just like it, it just feels a bit too much. And I thought, well, if I can never get away with like a low profile sort of pair of shoes, I thought it would be on the grass because it's you know like if I wore those same shoes on the road, oh my god, like I would like I'd be a mess. But I thought on on the grass I'll be okay. And like two weeks prior, it was it seemed to be fine. Um, 
but uh, yeah, anyway, it's 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 fine. Like I like I could have I could have kept running through it, like over the weekend, but I just thought, like, you know what, I'll just I'll just take a couple of days off. Like, have yeah. you heard the shoe geeks talking about? Um, they reckon the dragonflies are better on the grass than the low profile old racing flats, though. Yeah, well, I got a pair of those, so yeah, I have should, to have maybe the pull them flies. out. Yeah, I should have. Yeah, right. well, listen to the I, did, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to wear like I. I didn't want to wear them first time on the grass though. I think I prefer to wear them on the track for a little while first. But bit precious with shoes though, isn't he, Moose? <laughs> Been making shoe mistakes till the early since the early road to Berlin days. <laughs> a lot of mistakes made. <laughs> yeah. I don't get it though. He's like, you've got fucking eight pairs of super shoes. Just wear them. Then you know what I mean on the grass. Wearing them on the grass. Archie loves wearing them on the grass. Mm. Even like the MTC guys are always in next percent on their grass track. Yeah, like maybe, uh, yeah, like maybe I should have went maybe the streak sixes or something. No, so, the original M, uh, New Balance, um, you know those green ones with the little oh, yeah, thing on the bottom. They're in the bin. They're gone. Oh, they? Yeah, yeah, not, they've done way too many Ks. Mm, okay. So uh, anyway, that's all good. Like I'll, I, um, I took today off. I rode the bike today, but I'll, uh, I'll be right to run tomorrow. I'll test it out. Any races pegged in? I was talking to some listeners yesterday under the MCG, and they're saying, "Got to get this guy racing. Got to get this guy racing." Absolutely no races planned. There you go, Nick Earl. And and Nick and Earl even like even like the hype of Melbourne, I'm just like, meh. Like, you know, if I was if I was keen to race, I would have felt like I'd missed out on something yesterday, but I didn't feel that. You, you didn't feel that at all. No, oh, like mate, just, you should have seen it down there. You should yeah. have seen the running community. Everyone's buzzing. Beautiful but day. Best day done, ever. Christmas. It's funny. Like, I remember asking a few older guys going, like, you know, who stopped sort of competing. And I'm like, like, why did you stop? Like, And they're like, you sort of know. You know when you're done. It's like, I just, like, I enjoy going for runs. And I'll enjoy doing a bit of training. But, like, the idea of racing, it's just, just doesn't appeal to me that much anymore. So, and that happened. That happened. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you in, like, eight years' time. And we'll see how you, you feel about going out and racing regularly. Oh, we're still smacking it up, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, okay. What is it? The run, the the race, the steam train, or some shit? <laughs> Paddle steamer. <laughs> oh yeah, Paddle that'll steamer. be chasing, <laughs> chasing Bendigo forty-five to fifty age group records. Yeah, yeah, I'll be out there. I'll be yeah, I'll be smacking up young kids. Just don't get his just don't get his name in the paper You'll again. Have to earn every win around here. Hey, let's not be... put don't put the attention on me here. We've got a guy on a running podcast saying he doesn't like running. Still be driving the key around. Why are we taking the piss out of me? I don't know huh? why I'm getting the piss taken out of me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to you. We'll Moose, get to you. What have you been doing? Uh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll just get through. I want to hear your race reports. So I, I ran 45 minutes on Monday, just around Anglesey. Did some zero runner in the afternoon. Did a workout the next morning. So... The workout was just a cruisier tempo, so backed off the intensity a bit from some of the other cruisy tempos I guess I've been doing. Um, the idea was that I spent 13 minutes, no, I spent two, it was two by 13 minutes at underneath threshold, so sub-threshold we'll call it. Uh, if, if I, I think my threshold's around 174 beats. Uh, I'm going to do a threshold test soon to, to nail that, but... Uh, the first one, um, I averaged 161. Then I had two minutes jog. Then I averaged 168 beats. And funnily enough, got the exact same distance with the exact same pace for both of them. And that's without having pace on my watch at all. So that was pretty, that's pretty good to be able to nail like 
be able to nail that sort of effort. But 325, uh, 328 pace. So yeah, it was pretty cruisy really. Um, Eight-ish K, about 332 all up. Uh, next day, just jogged in Ballarat, jogged a loop, 50 minutes. Uh, down the coast, an hour, did town loop the next day. Did some surges on that run. So I'm starting to introduce some fast stuff, which is a bit rough for me because I really feel like an old man when I start to do surges and, and strides. It's a it's a battle. It's not pretty. This afternoon I did some and I'm like, oh, geez, you just got to run tempos. That's what your body's made for now, tempo you run. You get that back though. The more you do it, the better, better you'll feel. Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's use it or lose it. Yeah. And, and if you're not doing it, it's it takes but even like as an aging athlete that's what you're going to struggle with that's what's going to go first so there's two ways to look at it i guess you could play up to your strength you could train to sort of threshold uh tempo pace and get really strong aerobically and and that is the, the kind of the more specific type training if i'm going to run a marathon or you can work on the weaknesses and train what you're losing mm. Will you do any, um, um, like, the 10-second hills or anything like that? Yeah, I've got to get back into them. Because I've got some osteitis pubis, Ali's been real careful with what she's prescribing. And even surges is, is a... Trigger. Is an, it, it, yeah, well, it's a conservative way to introduce some speed work. Um, yeah, so, but it can so still flare it up, though, can't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you've got to avoid a few things. Hills, speed work, trails which is probably, I've been doing a bit too much of that anyway. But you bring up a good point as well, because some people think when you do strides, you've got to do them at like 100%, because they think they're only 10 or 15 seconds. You've got to go full gas. But you can just yeah. do them. If you do them at 85%, like your, your 5K, 3K pace, you're still getting a really big benefit from them. Well, I, I, didn't, I don't think I even got up to my marathon pace doing them this afternoon. Well, That's... relative, you know what I mean, where your fitness level's at at the moment. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Um, but that, that's right. It's not a sprint. Like it doesn't have to be, if you feel good, it can be, but a lot of the time just turning the legs over to be more like, almost like an active stride sometimes mm. is good. Yeah. Practice like an active, your biomechanics, an active biomechanics yeah. as well. Like practice that smooth, smooth movement. Yeah. Um, so I did do a workout though. The first sort of VO2 workout I've done it was six by a K with 90 seconds standing rest. I did it out along the chocolate factory along the road. We've got this area called the Mad Mile on the Great Ocean Road, and there's a service road next to it. So I just did it on the service road out and back. Um, this was like I had no idea how I was supposed to feel on these. It's been so long since I've done a workout like this. So I did the first one. I didn't know whether I was sprinting or whether – this was a sustainable effort or whether it was too slow. I just had no idea. So I ended up running 254 for the first rep, which was a little downhill and also had a tailwind. Um, so it was a bit like assisted. But at one point, I think it was about the 800 meter mark, I looked down and I was averaging 248 pace. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I feel fuck up of a session. So then I realized, like, I was hill uh, and... Cutting out for you, Croaks? Yeah, it's gone. I wasn't sure if it was me or him. <laughs> yeah. That's how it happens on this show. 
Moose, sort out your internet. Bit of a glitch in the okay. simulation here. He spent too much on on uh, renting that bike yesterday that he can't afford his internet. And it you, you got bike? me in. Are <laughs> uh, you a bit patchy? Keep talking. Oh yeah, I've got this. It's got a five G modem or whatever. See, sometimes, sometimes the best of everything doesn't work that well, Moose. Actually, the kids from school are down at Anglesey on school camp at the moment, and I did tell them to egg your house, so they're probably out the front <laughs> cutting the phone line or something. <laughs> Not joking, the grade six kids are down there all week. So if you see Julian Spence down there, see what house he goes into and just start throwing eggs. <laughs> Can't even hear him for a comeback here, correct? No. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> hey, Brady, you might have to... Um... Go through your week, and we'll come back to Moose. We'll cut him off. Yeah, we can start with my tape a week, eh? Yeah. You come back to us, Moose. I'll just talk about my week before I get to the race. Uh, so this was tape a week, race week. 40 minutes in the morning on Monday at 4.24 pace. Uh, it was good to be able to say that we're in marathon race week. been a long time since we've been able to say that. So it's kind of, I don't know about you, Crooks, like whenever you sign up for a marathon, there's always a chance you're not going to make the start line. And when you get to that final week, the chance of making the start line is nearly a certainty. So it's um, it's good to finally get there. 30 minutes in the afternoon on the Monday. Tuesday, a little workout. I did the 3K at kind of like what I was thinking marathon pace was going to be. I think I averaged um, about 3.18, 3.20 pace. And then I had a bit of a jog for maybe two minutes. Let me tell you. Yeah, two-minute jog. So 3K at 3.18 pace, two-minute jog. And then I just did three two-minute reps which were kind of like 257, 258, and 254 pace, just with an easy one-minute jog in between those. So that was good to kind of try to tune the body into that pace and um, tip the legs over a bit quicker. Just small warm-up and cool-downs as well in taper week, just trying to cut some Ks, so only three-and-a-half warm-up, and then um, 2.3K cool-down because I had to rush to work that day. Easy 30 minutes in the afternoon Tuesday, easy hour Wednesday at 4.17 pace, and just an easy 25 minutes in the afternoon. I wasn't originally planning to run in the afternoon, but I just had a really big day at work, and I just wanted to get out and clear my head um, afterwards. So some would argue, like you, Bradley, that it's not worth going out for 25 minutes, but mentally, it puts me in a good spot. Um, Thursday, 35 minutes in the morning, and then 34 minutes in the afternoon. And then Friday, I went down to Melbourne, caught up with uh, Zach and Newman, the boss of Run to PB, who also is employed by Inside Running Podcast at times. And I met up with him and I just ran the section of the course, which pretty much goes from like 35K to 39K around the Botanical Gardens. And then, um, yeah, I up past the shrine and then back past it again. I just hadn't ran over that section of the course for a while. And I just wanted to remind myself what it felt like. Cool to be down in Melbourne. A lot of people exercise around Melbourne croaks. Like when I go for a run in Chugamalama, if I see like one other runner, I pretty much like stop and I'm like, who is this guy? We've got a new runner in town. Whereas when you get to Melbourne, it's a bit overwhelming to um, see all the people there. You're comparing, Ram- a ha- you're comparing a hamlet to a city. I know. And, and, and you ran around the tan, yeah. which is like one of the most common places to run. And so. it was like 5 p.m. as well. So um, <laughs> there's runners everywhere, yeah. yeah. We ran past Brett Robinson. He was coming the opposite way. I'm like, oh, he's an Olympian. This is so cool. Mm. And I haven't been to Melbourne for a long time. Like COVID-19 is really, I don't think the last, I can't think of the last time I was in the city. So um, a bit overwhelming for starters, the little uh, the little city boy in the big smoke. And did I tell you the story about my hotel? I don't think no. I told you this. Got down to Melbourne, been in the car for three hours, 
get to my hotel, go to check in, like parked out the front of the hotel. There's just a sign on my hotel's door saying that um, this hotel's temporarily shut down, not in business anymore. I'm just like, oh, this ain't good. Like phone number to ring here if you want to make a booking at the hotel around the corner. So I ring them up and they're like, yeah, nah, they've walked out. The owners, like it's been shut down for like a month, this hotel, all males under the door, like not good at all. So I was getting a bit panicky thinking, where am I going to stay? And then there was another hotel, pretty shady hotel just next door. So I just walked in there and asked them if they had any availability and they did, which was lucky. So I was in there the next two nights and um, pretty much every time I walked past that hotel over the next two days, there was like five or six people at the front of it on their phone trying to figure out what they were going to do with accommodation. Nice of them to um, let people know. Absolutely shocking, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I like booked it through What If and I assume they're getting a whole lot of like complaints mm. and stuff like about, you know, similar kind of thing. And I, I had to hit them up the next day to kind of get my money back and stuff. And I'm just like, this is a joke. Like they shouldn't do this to people. Yeah. Um, but Agreed. yeah, that, that threw me a bit, but that was all good. We uh, got there in the end. And then on the Saturday pre-race, met up with Jamie Cook and we just did, oh, I just did an easy 25 minutes with him, 4.40 pace. And then it was race day, 6 a.m. start. So up at 3.30 a.m., beautiful weather. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, the passion around this event was just, I felt it was amazing. Like for Melbourne to turn this around from where they were, two or three months ago and after the last two years they've had in that city with all their restrictions and stuff it honestly felt like like other than checking in and getting a wristband to say that i had the vaccination it was pretty much the same as every other year i've been at the melbourne marathon such good energy i think they had twenty eight thousand compete over the two days when i watched the 10k because we had like a technical meeting the day before and that was cool to see that happen talk about those results later on um in the technical meeting the day before i was trying to trying to suss out the competition and trying to get some people like keen on a 69 minute pack to go through halfway. But um, yeah, everyone was a bit cagey. You know, it's like pre-race, no one really wants to give away all their cards, all their ideas and stuff. So um, yeah, I was thinking, I think I was thinking maybe that pack might've wanted to make the most of the weather and been a bit more aggressive. But um, gun went off. I kind of went to the pack of our, the front of our pack and, just, I thought I'll set it up for like maybe a 69, 15, 69, like 30 through halfway through the first 5k, just at that kind of pace and see what happens. And um, yeah, like Nathan and I, my training partner, were kind of at the front and there's just little gaps opening up from the pack. Michael Marantelli was with us and, and Dion Finocchiaro was kind of, yeah, with us a bit, but then probably the other five or six guys in the pack were just back off a bit. So um, we just kind of drifted back to the pack and, and settled things down. Um, the splits were interesting. Tell me what you would do on race day for a marathon. You turn your 1K splits off? Uh, yeah, I basically just took manual splits at 5K. Every 5K, yeah. That's what I've done in every single marathon. But we're running like up towards the 5K sign, and about 100 metres before the 5K sign, there's like a massive timing mat, and we all run over that. And I'm thinking... I wonder if that's the actual 5k split or where the sign is 100 meters later. So I didn't like all my watch through that timing mat. And then we go up 100 meters more. And I, here I am thinking, I kind of want to push this first 5k, kind of set it up to be, you know, around 16.25, 16.30, kind of set the tempo for this pace. And then hopefully a few people can help out. And we can hit a, hit a, you know, 69.15, 69.30 through half. And then when we get to the 5k mark, I hit my watch and it says 16.48. And I'm like, oh, 
we're not going fast at all. And it like all I have on my stopwatch screen is just the, the lap time. I don't have any GPS data because I'm never mm. sure if it works through cities and things like that. And then I was kind of talking to Mara and I'm like, Mara, I reckon when we ran over that timing, Matt, that was the real 5K split. Otherwise, we're going to have a shocker here today if that was only 16.48. And then we kind of, then we start, we start working together a bit. There's kind of good vibes in the group. We're still all together as a group of 10. And then we get to the 3K of the next like lap split. So this would be 8K in. So from 5K to 8K. And it says we've gone through in 906 for that 3K. And I'm like, these 1K markers are in the wrong spot. Like, this can't be right. And then, which is kind of frustrating me because I'm sitting there going, I've got no idea what pace we're going. Like, it feels good because it's the first 8K of a, of a marathon. But are we going, you know, 221 pace or are we going 219, 30 pace? Um, and at this stage, I was doing I was doing a lot of work up front. And then, yeah, like, yeah, Mara was doing a bit. Um, yeah, Jacob Cox was doing a bit as well. But we really had a few few guys just playing it smart, sitting in our pack there. And then I just decided to kind of sit back in the pack, get us, went through 10K and I think 33, 33.10. So then I realised, I'm like, nah, this is going to be over 70 minutes at halfway. Chilled out through, uh, through the kind of down the beach there. And it was, yeah, it's good to get some like direct sun on us. Like beautiful weather conditions, definitely no excuses with the weather. But there was definitely sun like in your eyes, which is more just annoying than anything else. Heading down um, Beaconsfield Parade there. So I went through halfway in 70.15, which I don't know if it like fired up a few fellas because then the next 5K was pretty quick. Um, Dion and Jacob Cox kind of like dropped. They dropped Nathan and I, and then there was another gap back to like um, Toby Mende and like Matt Gunther. And then Toby kind of closed that gap to get back to us. And then we kind of closed that gap to get back to Cox and Dion. And then um, we pretty much ran together until... I'm going to say like 27, 28K. And then I got this really weird stitch. Never had it before in the marathon, but I've heard like Brett Robinson explain it before as if like it feels like someone's stabbing you under the ribs. And it just, it just stuck with me for like a K. And I was trying to like do a bit of self massage and like deep breathing and stuff. And I went from feeling like really good to like thinking I was going to pull out in the space of about two minutes but lucky the stitch only lasted about a K because um, after it settled down, that was all good. And then we kind of got back to, to, to St Kilda there. Nearly killed a few cyclists. We had these like cyclists riding on our side of the road, like directly at us, like they were playing chicken with us. And we were all just fired up, like just yelling at them, telling them to get off the road. Don't know what they were doing, thinking they were doing that. And then we, when we got on Fitzroy Street, this car just drove straight over in front of us, like on the course. And then we're fuming at that as well. Like I just swung this big haymaker at the side of it as I ran past, nearly broke my hand. And then, um, and then Toby took the. Well, Toby did nothing until this stage. He ran a really smart race. So when we got back on St Kilda Road at about the 31k mark, he went to the front, and Dion had dropped us at this stage. Like Dion surged ahead, and we kind of had a chat in the group about if we were gonna catch it, catch him. And we kind of all decided, like, yeah, I think we'll see him later on. To his credit, we definitely did it. He put like a minute into us in the second half. Um, and then, yeah, Toby went to the front pretty much the whole way down St Kilda Road, dwindled down to uh, the four of us. Jacob Cox dropped off then. And then coming through that, and he was feeling real good. Like, he just tell he was smooth. He was, like, asking us how you guys feeling, kind of saying how he was starting to get a bit cagey, like, ready to go, which is exactly what you want to be feeling, like, through 30, 35K. And then we hit the hills. Um, you know, that, I just... 
I don't like that section where it drops down as well. You know, past the art centre there, where you take that left-hand turn, then the swipe yeah. and the right-hand turn, and then you go under the bridge. And it actually, the hill kind of starts there in a way, under the bridge before then you take that right-hand turn. And um, Toby, like, hats off to him. He's an absolutely tough prick, this guy. Like, raced him a couple of, or raced him a time in Canberra, so I knew he was tough. But he put in this surge at the hardest part of the course and just got away from Marantelli and I up past the, um, well, as you started that that climb there. Actually saw Bree there, Moose. Bree and mm. Pear with the uh, the pram there. That was them, wasn't it? Good spot Good spot to watch from, yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know if it was. Pretty sure it was her. Oh, like, you're kind of in all sorts. Like, you're at the bottom yeah. of that hill and you're like, you're 30, that would have to be close to 36 in there. And Nike had like a big section set up. Oh, there yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. That so was, it was, she was there, yeah. Super loud. Bree was yelling, and it's just like, I just clung to Marantelli up that hill. I'm just like, just stay here. Do not get dropped. Like, running up here solo is going to be hard work. Get up to the shrine, um, take the right hand turn, you get a bit of downhill for a while. But then you take that right hand turn. I think it's up like Dallas Woods Drive or something like that. And that's not, it's not a long hill, but geez, it stings you there. And then Mara got away from me at the top of the hill of the shrine and then kind of kicked out of that hill. He was tough as well. And then I saw you, Moose, just not long after that. Mm. And we'll probably, um, that was, I think that was 39K. I just remember thinking, I'm like, 10, min- 10 minutes, this is all going to be over. 10 minutes, just hold it together and try to use the downhill. And we'll kind of really strung out. Like Toby was probably... Oh, 15 seconds ahead of Mara and then Mara was probably 10 seconds ahead of me and then like just these three three figures like no one could really sit on each other but we had a real good focus on each other and could kind of follow the singlets in took the right hand turn at Fed Square um, that's a bit of a it's not a hill but at that stage of the race they feel like hills when you come out of Fed Square towards whatever that street is before you get the nice downhill and then yeah rolled into the MCG for uh, 2.20.41 which was, um, oh, but it's by far the best marathon I've ran the way I've executed it. Like, yeah, 70-14 through the first half and 70-26 in the second half. And it's just great to do a marathon where you don't blow to absolute pieces and have to survive. Like, I felt like I was still racing to the very end. Um, I think my last K was the quickest K of my race kind of thing, which, like, I don't know how accurate these Strava splits are. Oh, sorry, the K, the K before getting into the MCG. Um, and yeah, it was it was good. It was even. I think maybe not being that aggressive early probably helped that evenness. I'm not sure what we would have done in the second half if we did go 6920, 6930. Um, but yeah, and like the, the hill sorted me out. Like you probably, I counted today that throughout 2021, I've gone on a hilly run seven times. With one of those with you, Brad at Mulligans and the other one, Canberra Half Marathon, and then a, a three cross-country races and two runs in Bendigo. So I'm like, you probably cannot expect to be super strong at the 35K mark of a marathon where you've got to run over hills if you've only run over hills six times in the last 12 months. So um, I got exposed there, and the boys, like, to their credit, they um, they exposed me, and that was the difference between coming sixth and seventh and me coming eighth. Um, but yeah, like... The process wise of it, like I know it wasn't my fastest marathon, like I've been faster two times before, but in those races I've gone hard early, blown up, and you still cross the line in a decent time. Whereas this was this was well executed the whole way, and it was fun. Like I loved it. I I, I could grit my teeth at 38, 39k, knowing I've still got fight left in me, and I can still race this all the way to the line. And boy, was the running community good. Like, and our podcast listeners, like. I know we record this, we don't even look at our faces, we just kind of um, 
you know, record this, we put it out there and you don't really have any human real life interaction. But then you go to an event and you see people and people coming up and cheering you on and people wearing our singlets and stuff like that. And you're like, shit, this is actually a real thing that we do. And it like, I don't know, I was, yeah, in a way sick of hearing people calling out my name on those out and back bits because it's just so, um, yeah, so humbling. And there's, it's just a really good way to, um, yeah, be involved in the sport and to see what Melbourne did and how they put that race on. It was just a, yeah, a perfect little morning. So, so what um, grade? What grade would you give yourself for yesterday? Eight out of ten, I thought. Seven. So is that a is that a B B plus? Yeah, like when we talk about, I think the time wise, I think sometimes, and I definitely do get caught up on times. Um, I think the time doesn't reflect um, what time I think I'm capable of running at the marathon, but the the process of how the marathon unfolded, I think it was a good race. I think. You know, I ran in with guys who were really similar ability, who probably had similar build-ups to me. Um, it would have been good. I kind of said that I wanted to be that best of the rest, which like Dion did. He got that fifth spot and was brave to make a move at like 28K and run solo, and you're like strongly solo all the way to the finish line. Um, yeah, I thought I would have been in between fifth on a good day, 12th on a bad day, and I've come in eighth. So I think I've kind of like broken even. Well, not amazing, not bad, but... A solid performance but i look back and say like what was my goal my goal was to run have a positive experience over the marathon and not fall to pieces the last 6k which i um which i didn't do but i know i know you thought i reckon you thought i'd be pissed off of it because you didn't send me a message the whole day you were like gave me nothing and i'm like <laughs> i reckon he's like nah bro he's had a shit one here i'm not even going to congratulate him well i didn't know what to say because like i definitely think you train better than than that um and i was thinking about it like yesterday i'm like why why is it and look i I definitely think the hill the hills are a factor like i think if you look at anybody like look at all of our top marathoners they've traditionally run pretty well over hills like in their training and it it, it adds strength which i guess you don't have Hmm. um i also think that you still love banging a lot of sessions at like sub three minute k pace like you, you know, even in the last month, you're doing, still doing a ton of that stuff. Whereas I think trying to actually get a little bit more specific and trying to get get a bit more into the marathon grind in training, it might help. But um, like, like so, I got the first split, and I'm like, oh yeah, okay, he's he's on. Like, you know, he's still chance of running 218 here. And then I saw like the second split where it sort yeah. of, or maybe the third split, like where. It, it like slowed down massively to the point that I'm like, well, he's definitely not going to run 218 today. But, but I've got them written in front of me. So the second split on the tracker had us at 1647, but my second split on the 5K, from 5K to 10K on the course was 1626. Mm. Yeah. So I'm looking at that going, we're on, 1626. Like I've led the first 10K. I don't need to push it any harder than this. Yeah. Also, look, even through halfway at 7015, like I thought, okay, because you did speak last week about um, you want to race those other guys. And I thought, all right, well, he's not chasing times as such, but he's going to absolutely, like, smash this second half mm. um, just based on, like, how fit I thought you were. So I thought, you know, going through 70-15, I thought, oh, well, he's going to run real quick second half here and, and still run, like, 219-something. So, but anyway, like... Yeah, but that's you know, hard to you're, do if you're, you got, if you got you're at least kills. out there running. You're at least out there doing it. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a good 
stepping stone now it's a good learning experience for you to understand how you need to feel mm. to be able to take advantage of the second half um, because you've never known what it felt like and you have to be a little more conservative to a- actually execute one of those properly the first time um, does that make sense yeah. like you you can't be pushing the red line and expect to run an even split when you when you don't understand what you need to feel like early yeah. and and now you've done that you can take that into your next marathon and you can press a little bit but i mean the, the course is 45 seconds slower back half that's what i that's what i've said after yesterday looking at it and everything so if you run 45 seconds slower in the second half to me that's similar to a negative split that's sort of what that's sort of what i would come out of it thinking is around even if you did that like at Berlin. Yeah. Uh, and 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 I'll just Gunther, he's super analytical. So he obviously ran two twenty one and he was interested in seeing the splits. So he he looked to see how everyone went. The top fifty finishes, so men and women included, just in the top fifty. So the only one with more than a two minute negative split was Ben Kelly, who ran through and just finished in front of in between you two, mm. I think. Yeah. Um uh, one to two minute negative split was Millie Clark, only one person. Yeah. So in the top 50, there were only two people that came home more than a minute quicker. That's crazy because I think if you looked at, say, a, a Berlin, that would be a lot different. How, did he um, do it the other side? How many people kept it like the positive split under a minute or under 30 seconds? Yeah. Okay. So negative, so zero to one minute negative split, there was Five. Yeah. D- Dion, yeah. Toby, Eloise, Kane, Corns, and John Paul, someone. Um, Hang on. In between what? So ne- negative split, Brady. Oh, still negative. In, in between a zero and Sorry. one minute negative yeah. split. Zero and one minute, yeah. yeah. And so here's some names for over two minutes. Slower. Slower. Yeah. Ed Goddard, Tom DeCanto, Brett Robinson, Riley Cox, Nick Whiteman. Um, and basically, Marnie, yeah, so Marnie Ponton. Um, and nearly everyone else. <laughs> yeah, well, so, I would have been in that zero to 30-second positive split, which I don't think many people would have been in that. You were in the zero to one-minute positive. Michael Marantelli, Brady, Gunther, Jacob Cox, Andrew Ferguson, Chris Rancy. Um, Sarah Klein was there. Hmm. Jared McMullen. So what's that? Say like eight people. And then One, got... two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11. Yeah. There was a few more as well. There's about 13, 14. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, it is. And that's like, that's, I think that's about a negative split. And he did, I asked him to do them for 2019 as well, just to compare. Mm. Uh, and it was a much better executed race in this year in terms of people running more evenly than it was in 2019. Mm. Interesting yeah. stuff seeing those numbers. But that's good from you, I think. I think one thing is like you stressing out where the K marker's out fully negates like you not having your watch <laughs> to pace <laughs> because the idea of not having your watch on is to not stress that shit and then all you're doing is getting to the K marker and stressing what your split is. Yeah, well, I knew like after, like Mara and I were talking about like, ah, these are wrong, like just start ignoring these ones. But then some, then like you get to the half and you're like, well, is this one right? Like I can't get how... That was so different. Like 15 to 20, I got it on course 16.39 on the splitter and had me at 17.01. Like that's a significant difference. 
yeah. in hindsight, like I know for like BWA, like I had half half the watch was like lap time, which I was just basically splitting every 5K, but I did have then lap, at like average pace. lap pace. But that means which, nothing because you run so much further than the – because like my watch yeah, had me 500 metres over. So you're like, but, you can't yeah, stop your watch at 42.2 and say you're done. But, but the thing is you start panicking – because you're not sure, you're not sure at all what pace you're running. Whereas at least if you, you like, you hit lap, like if you, for example, like you hit lap um, at the 5k marker on the course, you at least have an idea then of what pace you're currently like running at. So it, you know it gives you at least a little bit of comfort. Whereas you had, you felt like you're running blind. Nah, but that's where Mara and I were talking. He's like, nah, this has got me at like 3.14 pace. Oh, okay. Like blind, yeah. blind is good. Blind, blind is the being, whole... I ended up yeah. being blind anyway. But then well, sort of, but I had a look at like, I remember splitting like our, our 25 to 30, I got 16.30 and the split was 16.40. And then the 30 to 35, I got 16.33 and the split on tracker was 16.48. So I'm sitting there going, oh, as long as we're on the 16.35, we're going to break 2.20 easy here. But then you're really, the real splits are so much slower. So you get a bit, yeah, I was like, oh, there's no need to be pushing pace here. Just settle. Yeah. I just I expect those things to be right. I couldn't work out why they weren't correct. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty pretty frustrating when you Could you tell people the, turn the off the splits out. because yeah. you don't trust those ones and then they're, they're not in the rust. But it's okay. We'll race. We're in a big pack racing anyway. Still, I'd expect a, I'd expect a marathon of that size and popularity to have the markers in the right spot. Mm. Yeah. So, um, well, the last one was spot on. The forty to finish, I got seven twenty one, and they got seven twenty one. But yeah, I'm not sure about the rest. So, Brady, you you said to me afterwards, gee, I reckon we would have run faster if we had have gone out harder, <laughs> which um, obviously I fully disagree with. Yeah. But but you seem pretty pretty set on it. <laughs> I said to you, I well, I think. I said to you, I don't know how much harder 69.30 would have felt than 70.15, especially if I led, say, the first 15 of those 21Ks. Well, I'll tell well, you that it yeah. wouldn't feel any easier. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know how much harder. We're like, hey, we've got 45 seconds up our sleeves here, boys. We can lose a bit through the hills on the second second half. <laughs> Your mentality hasn't changed at all. No, well, it has, need, it has need, not. You need to teach some of those boys you train with moves to do a bit of work on the front. Oh, mate, they they ran pretty well actually. Few, boy, few boys owe me a few slabs of beer, I reckon. Send it, just put Brady Moama on it. Or arrive at my house if you're listening out there, fellas. You were you were rarely at the front when I you was, went past me. Oh, bullshit! I was towing packs through. Mm. You always had to jump out of the pack to get your drink. You were stuck in the middle half. What about the one that like I went to get out of your hands and it went fine in the air, and then I just hooked it? Some old footy skills there. Took a real good grab. <laughs> You were, an you were an umpire, you were an umpire, buddy. I was pretty much standing on Moose's shoulders, specky and this water bottle in the air. Everyone's like, ooh, I'm like, don't worry, fellas, I've got it. Good fun, oh. good fun racing. Let's talk about something else. Uh, thanks for Patreon supporters. Yeah, yeah. all right, I'll, uh, I'll kick it off. I got Richard Ogilvy this week. Uh, couldn't find much about Richard. He didn't have an address on his Patreon, and but Google, I was not at Google, Strava search indicated that he followed you blokes and says that he lives in Inverloch, Victoria. Oh, this guy. Yeah, follows you, follows Moose. Um, but it's like one of those, you know, it's like private or request, so you can't actually see who else he follows. So. Give him a follow. Um, Did he but not it was, follow you? I don't know, because I can't go in to see who he actually oh. follows, because it says you're both following, 
people. Yeah, so it doesn't yeah. show that, yeah. Anyway. You've actually, like pretty, you've actually had beers with this bloke before, Croaks. What, Richard Ogilvy? Yep. Do you know him, do you? He used to live with me for three years, this bloke. Absolute well, legend, go. Richard Ogilvy. Oh, One of so the nicest yeah. guys you'll ever meet. You have met him and you've forgotten yes. the name. Yeah, no, no. I do now. Uh, so, yeah, lives in Inverloch? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, come on, I here do, we go. I do now. <laughs> he, he lives in Inverloch, doesn't he? He does live in Inverloch, yeah. Used to live so, in Miami. Yeah, couldn't find much on him other than his park run record. And, uh, yeah, he finished second at the Echuca Park Run in November 2019 with a 17.37. He's got a park run PB of 1642, which was at the Sale Park Run. And of his 16 park runs that he's done in total, he's won eight of them, four at Sale, three at Inverloch, one at Parkville. Um, and a bit of extra stats that Brady's just chucked in here, 258 at Gold Coast Marathon in 2019 and 248 at Melbourne yesterday. So thanks for your support, Richard. Took 10 minutes off, fellas. Mm. Guess who's been helping me out of his program to take 10 minutes off? Bit of trifle uh. special spice on his program right there. Richard, an absolute legend, fellas. You'd love meeting this sink and piss with this guy. He's a great fella. He's, uh, he's a part of the book club I'm in. We share book recommendations all the time. Lived with him for about three years. Really good fella, Richard Ogilvy. Celebrating a big run yesterday. Who you got? We um, met in Canberra, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. He was at that bar, remember? Yeah. Yeah, I do remember now. I reckon I still owe him a few beers from that night too. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't mind a shout. Pretty good. Who are you taking, Moose? I've got Christopher Grundy. So Christopher has PBs. We'll call him Chris for short, should we? Chris. 1827 5K. 13, no, 39, 13, 10, 123 half marathon and a 351 marathon. Bit of work to do on the marathon there, Chris, but we'll get you there. Uh, friends call him Grundy, which ironically is his surname. Um, in a circle, call him the Mizuno Shoe Dog. So he is the man behind Mizuno Marketing. And that's quite funny because I used to get these emails from a guy called Chris, Chris Grundy and I was like, from, for the business, always send assets and stuff for the shoes like when they go up. And um, I never put two and two together but then he came to our run strong long run a few weeks back and I'm like, Chris Grundy, you don't work with Mizuno, do you? He's like, yep, that's me. I'm the one sending you the emails. <laughs> But he loves a shoe collection, may have a whole room dedicated to shoes. Was all set to blast Melbourne Marathon before coming down with appendicitis a month ago. Had to have appendix out, which put him back to return to run. Uh, so no good. Sorry to hear that, Chris. Back to back to the drawing board. Mm, that's bad timing, isn't it? Poor fella. Yeah. Misses all these races with cancellations. Finally, one happens. Cops that. And that happens. That'll make you hungry, though, Chris. I'm going, to thank Dave. I'm going to thank Dave Archer from Chesterfield in the UK. Runs from the, for the Hallamshire Harriers. That's a good name. Um, PBs is quick. 8.39 for 3K, 14.55 for 5K, 30.56 for 10K, 67.45 for the half, and uh, 2.23 at the Cheshire Marathon in April 2021. What's your pick there, fellas? Quite a good range on him. 2.23. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Also ran 2.25 at London to finish 42nd overall. Um, had a good 2021 setting 10K half marathon at Marathon PBs. You've done some good research here, Brad. It's good, Thanks, re- it's good reading these out when you don't have to I was wondering work. what the difference was. Yeah, the format's Brad's different the though, isn't it? Yeah, on track to crack 6,000Ks this year. 
He's got a couple of kids, boy and girl combo. Thanks, Dave, Richard, Christopher, for all your support. You could do that job every week, Crux, I reckon. I reckon you've just lost your, I reckon you've just lost your job here. That's what I'm hoping, Moose. I'm trying to just handball this job <laughs> to the guy who's not doing a lot of running to just trying to get him to do a bit more of this like, spreadsheet stuff. Not doing a lot of anything. Suit his personality, the kind of boring personality kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, geez, that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm joking. You know I love you, Bradley. Uh, Malware Marathon results. Men's Marathon. Brett Robinson got the win, 214.33. Tom DeCano second, 214.41. Ed Goddard third, 215.13. Bradley, you would have watched the stream. Looked like Goddard was doing a lot of the work out there solo. Tom and Brett hanging on before so obviously looking at the splits it slowed and then Brett like seemed I saw them all coming down off the top of the um the shrine at 39k and they were mm. together and then when I watched the stream when they come out of that like drop down hill Tom got dropped by Ed and um Brett Brett I, I'm thinking Brett put the move in and then Ed made like covered the move by Brett I think this is right but then yeah. he ended up popping Tom pulled in Ed went past him and actually nearly got to Brett as well. It looked like Brett was um, in a world of pain. Maybe that stitch come on again the last couple of Ks because it looked like he looked over his shoulder about 60 times in the last uh, 2K and Tom was mowing him down but couldn't quite get to him. Yeah, like exactly. Right? Like, yeah. yeah, pretty much. Um, I must say like Melbourne Marathon, I reckon, has come a, like, a long way the last couple of years. Like their app was fantastic. Like any athlete I wanted to track – the splits were coming up. Like, you know how sometimes those things can be a bit temperamental? Yeah. But that was perfect. The stream was good. We saw a lot of the marathon early, but then once the half started, we didn't see, like, a lot of it until the half finished. Um, but seeing the splits early, like, these guys went through just under 66 through halfway. And, like, knowing that it was Ed's um, debut, I thought, oh, this could be interesting. And, like, to be honest, like, I just kept expecting him to sort of fall off at some point. And then, as you said, when they got up around sort of the, the Shrine of Remembrance there, um, yeah, Tommy got dropped and Ed was still there. I'm like, well, you know, regardless of what happens now, like, it's a pretty a pretty good debut. Um, but then, yeah, Ed fell off. And then after that point, it seemed like Brett was just, like, doing enough to try and get to the finish line. But he certainly just coming past, like um, – uh, was it Flint Street Station? That sort of section, that last k and a half, he didn't seem to be moving too quick. Um, so I think the, I think the quick pace early on definitely hurt all the guys, and it was just uh, I guess Brett's class. You know, he's just got a few extra minutes up his sleeve um, over that marathon. So it was one pretty... of those finishes as well. It's like I'm doing enough to stay in front, but I could probably mm. put something else in if I had to, but I don't yeah. really want to. So I'm just making sure that my gap's still big enough that I can um, hang on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Moose, what did you say on course? Well, honestly, they didn't look very comfortable earlier. Sometimes you see front packs go past and it's super smooth and real easy. And the front pack, it, it, it did just look like Brett was the comfiest there. That's what I saw early anyway. Um, Tom sort of mentioned his legs went like early, like he, he got fatigued, he got sore legs. Um, couldn't get him going, and that's why he couldn't keep up with the surge that got made. But, uh, but 65-54 through half, like not not insane for the quality of these three athletes. No, I know. No, like, especially not Brett, really. Like a, in that weather as well. Like, yeah, six minutes off Brett's PB, four minutes off the other guys. And, and it's about, what, two and a half minutes 
slow than what Brett went through when he ran his PB through half, which was like, you know, what do you go through? 63 something? Yeah. I think when he ran his, yeah. which was obviously a pretty big positive split, so but he still ran 210. Earlier than the Shrine, though, they must have started oh, yeah. slowly coming back down St Kilda Road. Oh, I yeah. reckon it, it was pretty much it was pretty much just after halfway that they started to slow. Yeah, they went 308 mm. kind of to half or 25k and then 315s, 313s, 320s. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You could, yeah. Obviously, probably a cup. They probably started looking, smelling some money a little bit. Yeah. Um. Just when when they realised maybe the time wasn't on for them, and you'd know that early if you're Tom. If two eleven thirty is the time, right? If outside of that, it's a PB sure, but it doesn't really get you anything. Um. Not like twenty grand does, and so there's only so much work that you'll probably want to do on the front. Because what's what's the point? Um, you could probably go run a faster PB somewhere else, a way faster PB. Mm. So, so obviously, you've got to kind of sacrifice yourself to keep that pace going. Uh, and, and, and yeah, the money's probably too good to, to do that. <laughs> it was entertaining. Like the thing I liked about it, though, that it was entertaining to watch because mm. so many of these marathons, you see somebody running the last 10K on their own and they were aggressive like well, relatively aggressive early, um, but they're still all able to stay together for the for the majority of the second half, which was cool to watch. What does it mean, Brad? Is this two fourteen forty one quick enough to get Tom on a team, or two fifteen thirteen? Con games, maybe Ed Goddard. No, nah, I think it's uh, yeah, it's way too early for that, and a lot of it will depend on. And I've said it a few times, like who actually qualifies for world champs, so and who wants to run world champs if they qualify, because. If nobody qualifies for world champs, so nobody runs sub to 11.30 between now and the end of the qualification period, that means we'll have no one there and that leaves them three spots for Com Games, which Liam's already qualified. Um, and you'd imagine, depending on times that other people run, like Jack's you know, probably at the top of the list. Um, Brett mentioned the other week that he wasn't really that interested in Com Games marathon. So, um, so you'd have to look at Liam and Jack that only leaves one spot and Reese Edwards has run like a 213. So I don't think this will impact position. Mm-hmm. Like, well, singlets at all. Interesting, isn't it? Because we said like when these two t- um, championships were so close together, we're like, oh, there's going to be six singlets up for grabs. But then you take, <laughs> you know, you put Brett and, uh, oh, sorry, you put Jack and Liam in our two Olympians and then maybe there's only one for that next year of guys. Yeah, exactly. Whereas if, if Liam and Jack both qualify for Worlds and run Worlds, then, yeah, it opens up the door for the for the likes of Tom and Ed, you know, running 214. Yeah, but they're not, yeah. I reckon Reece... there would be a strong encouragement to, for someone who qualifies to run World Champs, like from AA, like strong, strong encouragement because it, it opens up another spot that they can put anyone in, really, yeah. to, for the comp games. So they can give someone like almost a development spot. Yeah, exactly. If you're good enough to make world champs, maybe that's the better team. And that should that should be how it is. Like, Com Games has always been developmental, or it should be. Um, and then, the like, the legit championships is the world champs, the highest level. Mm. Most that athletes would want to... Yeah, okay. All right. Um, what is what is Brett Robinson's run mean, Moose? Is he... Well, it, it shows form. 30? So, yep. it, it cements him. If, if it gets down to discretionary picks, it cements him as... Like winning races. Um, no, so I mean more like a Brett Robinson as a marathoner. Oh, nothing. He got twenty grand. Yeah, like it, which it doesn't... is what he was there for, wasn't it? I think that, yeah. that was his goal. And like you know, you wouldn't say that he had a specific marathon build up for this race. Yeah, true. 
it doesn't matter about the like you look at the positive split stuff and that really only matters with Tom and Ed to go oh maybe that wasn't their best run but with Brett it doesn't matter because you win you can say I had it you can say I just did as much as I needed to to win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brett, Brett would have been happy to run two eighteen and win. He wouldn't yeah. have cared. Yeah, yeah. I know that's what I mean. It <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter what the time is. But Tom runs two eighteen, comes second. He would be pissed. Yeah, yep, yep. Anything else to add there before we move on to the women's? No, um, it covers it. Yeah, pretty well. Covers pretty well. Women's marathon. Millie Clark two twenty six fifty nine. Always Wellings two twenty nine nineteen. PB for both of those ladies. Marnie Ponton in third, also a PB, 231.54. I don't know why I'm even reading this stuff out, Brad, and got to do a summary of the race, considering I wasn't the one at home watching on the stream. But from (laughs) what I can gather from the out and backs, Millie actually got dropped, Aloise, and um, I think Marnie might have dropped, or maybe just Aloise, when I first saw them down um, Port Melbourne. And then Millie clawed her back, um, got in front of her and gapped her. I think Aloise had a toilet stop in there as well. And then went on to run, as you said before, Moose, the only athlete in the field other than Ben Kelly to run a negative split. Um, pretty impressive running. And, and you'd expect it from Millie. Like, she's all class, but I don't know if she's kind of been forgotten a bit the last 6, 12 months because she missed the Olympics. And then we saw Jess who missed the Olympics but then went and ran an amazing one in Perth. Um, Millie hadn't had an opportunity to race and then come out and did this. She hasn't had many, like, she's very consistent at the marathon. Mm. Like, pretty much every marathon that she's run, she's she's run, you know, pretty well. So um, this was one disappointing thing about the stream. Like, we oh, didn't yeah. actually get to see a lot of the women's race at all. So we, I guess, you know, we can comment on the men's based on what we saw, whereas the women's, it's pretty much only the splits. But, um, you know, Millie had it sewn up from a fair way out based on the lead that she had over Eloise. But, uh yeah, I'm certainly. To think if I saw any footage tracks, I didn't see much at all. And like, I know yeah. the women's half; there was absolutely no footage when I rewatched the stream. Um, yeah, well, the, well, the women's half, like we, you know, because Izzy, well, we get to that, but Izzy won the race, but she wasn't like she wasn't even coming up as like a leader on the um on the app, and so yeah. that's all the commentators had to go off because there was no um there was no footage, and so they were saying that Leanne Pompiani is like winning. And then you see oh, footage really? of you, you see footage of Izzy running into the stadium first, and they're like, "Oh, okay. Well, she hasn't been coming up on our um, on our you know, splits." So yeah, so like up until well, up until I saw Izzy run into the stadium, I thought she was a DNS. Well, we had the motorbike hanging around us for like the first eight k, and I'm laughing with the boys. I'm like, "What are they doing videotaping us? We're not like a we're not a chase pack, a threat to the big boys at the front. And shouldn't this motorbike be on the lead females?" Yeah. And then it wasn't. Well, until yeah, I watched probably back, should have. It wasn't until I watched back the stream. I'm like, oh my god, that was that. They got confused. They videotaped us instead of the lead females. Mm. Um, what does this mean, Moose? Commonwealth Games world champs. Louise has um, penciled her name in. Well, good, good couple of weeks for her, isn't it? We should. Oh yeah. Well, it was. It's to run faster than London. I did not think that would happen. London's a really fast course, and Louise obviously prepped really well for that. Whereas this one, like has to have been a rush dodgy little prep but did really well to get underneath it uh she looked good early but then like disappeared and and i think had to go to the bathroom so uh obviously that's like why she dropped back um but then millie was too strong overall put time into it after that as well uh we should note that like marnie running 231 
that's coming third in a domestic marathon in Australia against other Australians. That's that's crazy good. Sarah Klein, two thirty two as well. Yeah, I mean fourth. And that's how sent to the world champs like previous years. Like these girls with those times yeah. two or three years ago would have been on teams for sure. And now they're no coming, doubt. They, now they're coming fourth in the Melbourne Marathon. Mm-hmm. There was there was females getting on teams running like two forty. Let me tell you, well, Sarah Klein was one of them. She went to the world champs. Let me tell 237. you. 237. Did to 237, got her on a team. Yeah. Um, I think it was 237, yeah. I'll look it up for you while you're talking about it, but yeah. So to take five minutes off that and come fourth, um, like that's just how the standard has changed in Australia, and it is exciting. Yeah. I guess one of the differences for the women's compared to the men's is like there, there will be six uh, singlets up yeah. for grabs because, you know, we've got so many females under the world championship standard so you, we can send three there and yeah. which will then leave three spots um for the for the com games as well sarah yeah. Klein, 242 at melbourne in 2013 which then i think qualified her for the com games where she ran 235 237 at the world champs oh okay so like yeah mm. maybe 242 yeah. got her on the first team it's come a long way. Yeah. I guess success breeds success. That's so good, women's Australian marathon. It's, you don't know where to look. Just guns everywhere. Um, the half marathon croaks? Yeah, so there was a pretty good pack early on uh, in the men. So there was Jack, Rayner, Dave McNeil, Tim Vincent, Jack Bruce. Um, they, were the, they were the main guys. Um, and then Jack and Dave sort of pulled away. Jack was definitely doing uh, most of the work. Um, but yeah, Jack was just too strong, 62.30, Dave 62.33, Tim Vincent 62.47, and actually Sam McEntee was the other guy that was actually in that pack. So the um, the first five there was pretty deep for a for a Melbourne marath- for a Melbourne half marathon. It would be probably the deepest deepest finish, I reckon. Mm. Um, yeah, and then in the women's, as we said, like throughout the telecast, um, there was no splits coming up for Izzy. So it seemed like Liam was winning and then we saw Izzy coming into the stadium. So 70, 70 minutes and 16 seconds for Izzy um, on debut. And Leanne Pompiani, 70-40, which was a big PB for her. And Jess, um, she finished third in, Jess Stenson that is, third in 72-46. Course which was easy as well. Yeah, pretty good. No Sinead on the start mm. line so she was a late withdrawal that would have been a great battle i reckon considering her history of sort of running 69 six, she broken 69 as well mm. Sinead, i think yeah, so 40 i think hasn't she would have been a good battle it's a shame um jess ran slower than a marathon half didn't she <laughs> so yeah she did tell me that afterwards as well oh did she yeah, yeah. But, that's, but, but i sort of like i sort of like this as well and it shows that you know you build fitness for an event and yeah. then you detrain, and you can't expect to always be at the same level. So I, I quite like it. Sixty-eight fifty for Sinead. Uh, yeah. There's, there's class everywhere here. And then the men's ten uh, k on the Saturday moose. You want to whip us through those results quick? Yeah. So uh, pretty. I think it was a pretty disappointing course. Oh, when yeah. I, Anderson Street. Like, yeah, but not just that. You're running like on the footpath and stuff. Mm. So they didn't. They didn't shut roads for it. So yeah, on the footpath, um, you're hooking, yeah, just not great. Um, But pretty fast times when you think about that, 29-26. Ryan Gregson got the win. So he's on a bit of a streak of wins lately. He's won three in a row, was it? Uh, Yeah, got the noose of Bolt. Got 
something else. Didn't get bridged to Brisbane. Noosa, Bolt, and then Sydney, Sydney Harbour. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got three in a row, obviously doing well on the road. Andre Waring, 29-29, took a few scalps. Geordie Williams, third place, 29-37. Do you reckon uh, you've the... got Williams croaks if you were there? No. Okay. Well, I don't know, Brad. Williams I don't know. <laughs> got that old man strength about you. No, because I didn't. I wasn't able to run on Saturday. I was on the bike. Okay, you should have said you would have smashed him. <laughs> Uh, women's 10, yep, Rose Davies. So that, Rose ran 32.52 um, to, to, to win pretty considerably from Rebecca Green in 34.17 and Rosie Donegan, 35.02. For her first race back, she'd been doing a bit of running with our group down the coast, uh, so it's good that she's got over her injuries. She, um, yeah, she, was, she was once selected at the World Champs, but... I don't think she made it. Or maybe she qualified. Steeplechaser, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. She's had sort of chronic injuries ever since. So, since she back running. Surf Coast. Since she got uh, out of college, wasn't it? Yeah, I think since she signed up for Run to PB. She's not, she's not in Run to PB. Oh, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> so you just find all the chronically injured people come, and make come them coach? over. Um, <laughs> if you want a 10 minute PB, though, more than happy to sort you out. <laughs> Uh, quick news in the US, Croaks. We might quickly knock this one over. We're going to make a phone call shortly, don't we? We do have to make a phone call, yeah. So, Charlie Hunter, he signed a yeah, pro contract with Nike. Yeah, so I don't know much about this. I just saw the headlines that he has given up the opportunities to compete at the University of Oregon to sign with Nike. And I did actually see, uh, I think it might have been on Jess Hull's Instagram stories a few weeks ago that uh, he was doing a session with her group. I'm pretty sure it was. So I'm not sure who's coaching him yet, but it might be he might be part of that that group that Jess is part of. Represent Australia over the 800 at the Olympic Games. Yeah. If you're not sure where you heard that name before. And then you reckon we can quickly, uh, what about Moose and I talk about the Vic 5K champs while you get our yep. guests ready to go. All right. Moose, did you watch this? Tom Thorpe. Yeah, I did. kick down, wasn't it? Good watch. It was big. Yeah. yeah, that last 200 was just bang. Last 300, period. was it? He was putting yeah. kicks on top of kicks. Yeah. Yeah, Liam. So Liam um, Liam made the pace to in this one. I can't really remember what happened before that. No, there was but, a couple of junior kids early on, and then these oh, boys that's right, just yeah. dwindled, and then class rose to the top at the end. Yep, yep. So Tom Thorpe broke 14, which is pretty cool, 1358. Um, Liam Cashin, 1401. Ed Marks. 1408 for third so that that did get going at the end it was cool to watch just sort of wound up um rebecca green who was second in that 10k she won the women's in 1610 um brooke williams was 1636 for second and eleanor benson 1644 third in the ladies very good good to see and tom thought that's back to back for him Two years in a row, five times. Oh, ah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Croaks, do you want me to do a little intro to this, um, who we're calling? Yeah, well, yep, explain the reason why we're calling them. Yeah, so in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a new side project, which is going to be on for uh, for 10 weeks, which will, um, some people might have heard, you know, road to New York in the past, road to nowhere, road to Valencia, those kind of things. So it's always good to give our Patreon supporters some uh, bonus content and we try to bring you guys different kind of panels to introduce you to different people in the Australian distance running and overseas distance running world, hear about their training, hear about how running looks in different types or different places in Australia. And um, we spoke about putting three new people together on a panel and I think this week we're going to meet one of them who was in action yesterday 
at the Melbourne Marathon. Are you there, guest? Calling right now. Oh, I could try that better, Crokes. Hey, the suspense. We did give you some hints a couple of weeks ago about who it was, so um, we might hear their voice in a second. Hello. Hello. Jess, how are you going? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Long, no, long time no talk. Yeah, that's right. A whole 24 hours almost. Yeah, big changes <laughs> in that time though. Have you got back to Adelaide all good? Yeah, I had to sit in a pretty long line last night to get my COVID test, but the the result came back all clear this morning, and then I just have to have another test in six days. And do you have to isolate between that time, or you can go about the community? No, fortunately. So um, the rules actually changed while we were in Melbourne. Um, we only had to isolate until we had the test. Um, we didn't have to isolate until we got the result back. So I think the only time you have to do that is if you've actually been in a hot spot. Yeah, Okay. Hey, um, thanks for being involved with this new little side project that we're kicking off in January. We're kind of stoked to have somebody of your uh, class and your ability to talk and all that involved in the show. So a massive thanks before we start there. Are you excited as we are? I'm really excited. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to talk about yet, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we'll uh, find plenty of topics to cover. Yeah, I'm sure you will. And we haven't told the listeners the other two panel members yet. So without giving their names away, are you excited to work with those two? I am. Yeah, I think we're going to have um, a diverse range of backgrounds and experiences. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to finding out what races they're working towards as well. Mm. Hey, Jess, I know you've been on a team with one of them, but the other guy, have you had much to do with him? No, no. So I'll be getting to know him as we go. Did you have to Google him? Because <laughs> it's okay if you did, because I have to as well. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to find out what his main distance was, so I, I did um, wiki, wiki one of the members. Perfect. Uh, Jess, tell us about your race yesterday. Third place in 72.46. Got to be happy with that post-marathon. Well, I wasn't initially. I think I went into yesterday with high hopes. I really hoped I'd be a bit more competitive with the girls. It's obviously a strong field with um, what is he, Pat Doyle from Adelaide and and Leanne. And um, I kind of just went into the race hoping that although we hadn't been specifically um, training for a half marathon, my coach Adam wanted to give me um, adequate recovery after the full marathon. I just hoped that maybe the marathon fitness might get me through but it was a different story um we were sort of rolling along the road and it the sort of pack formed pretty quickly with um Izzy and Leanne and a couple of guys and at five kilometers I thought it it kind of feels quick but um you know hopefully uh you know that fitness will get me through in the later stages got to 10ks and I think it was just over 33 minutes and I was like, I feel like my race is done. Like that, that's been a hard effort for me. And I um, started to drop off a little bit then. And by 12 kilometers, I just got sort of a really tight chest and that made the last, um, yeah, the final stages of the race really tough. Actually, I, um, I, I struggled quite a bit, um, particularly when there's that hill just before you come into the MCG, that one really got me. But um, look, I'm so happy. I went, the vibe in the MCG afterwards was amazing and the other two girls um, ran incredible races and it was just really exciting to, to be there when everyone was finishing. It was just, I don't know, you probably um, 
feel a bit the same way. It was just such a big celebration after last year's event being cancelled. Interesting you say that though, Jess, because I crossed the line and then headed towards a, a bin to vomit in, which was next to the medical tent, and I looked into the medical tent and you were sat in there getting some medical attention. So it didn't seem like that good of a vibe for you when you initially must have crossed the line? No. So I, as I said, my chest was really tight and I was um, having quite a bit of trouble getting air in. So when I crossed the line, they just took me over um, for a bit of monitoring and um, some Ventolin. And once, yeah, once I got my lungs back, then I could uh, enjoy watching people cross the, <laughs> the line. Um, but yeah, people were definitely pushing themselves um, to their limits there. I think you weren't the only one um, vomiting at the finish line. Mm-hmm. I saw a bit of that. <laughs> Jess, yeah. how many, um, so after Perth, like how many weeks did you sort of take off from workouts and, and how long you've been back doing workouts for? Uh, I think I had two weeks of casual jogging um, and then started to just ease back in with um just some sort of steady, steady efforts. I think my first session back was we've got a 2.2k loop in Adelaide, and um, it was uh, three laps of that, just getting a bit faster each lap. And then um, my first harder effort was that um, Asics Ekaden relay. I had the 10k leg, so I used that as a little bit of a, a tempo run. And then most of my sessions, to be honest, were. Um, the Tuesday, I'd have maybe some 1K reps, and then on the Friday, I'd just have a 20-minute fartlek. So um, aside from that 10K, I didn't have any of those really sort of high-volume sessions, and I think that's um, what made yesterday so difficult when I sort of got to the 10K mark. I felt like I'd um, already extended myself. So, um, But that's all right. Uh, yeah. I was disappointed for an hour or two. I've moved on. <laughs> but I was actually, I was actually just saying on air, um, like just before we called you, that it, it's it's actually quite good to see how the elites go about it, though. That you know, after a marathon, you lose fitness on purpose to then slowly build up again. That you can't be in peak shape all the time. So it's actually good seeing somebody at your level, like not you know not being great shape and slowly building back to fit back your fitness. Yeah, and I. I am hoping to do a marathon, uh, to run a marathon early next year. And so I, I recognise the importance of deconditioning to, to then, you know, get stuck into that next marathon block. You can't just be up all of the time, but um, it's just a hard way to run <laughs> when you haven't, um, you know, put all of the work in. But hey, okay. Jess, how, how early in the new year are you going to run a marathon? Uh, probably sort of late Feb, early March. It's, to be confirmed but um yeah i'm hoping there'll be an opportunity there awesome so it'll all come out on that's what we hear all about it perfect timing well done content um any other races (laughs) planned for when you'll be recording jess like that early jan zadapec maybe on the track so at this stage um zadapec is is one that i'll be aiming to race and then i think we have a 5k in sa maybe in early feb um just a, another track 5k I, I don't get many opportunities to to race those but it, it is always fun and we've we've got strong competition here in sa with you know izzy and caitlin and you know maybe tara and and the like so yeah a couple of races yeah it's got to be the hardest state in australia to win a 5k track race doesn't it <laughs> 
yeah, it's pretty tough at the moment, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, anything else for Jess, boys, before I let her go after this quick catch-up? Not for me. Just, um, yeah, congratulations on yesterday and thanks for agreeing to be part of this panel. Um, look forward to chatting to you in, in early January. Yeah, no, thank you. I'm looking forward to it too. And, um, yeah, I look forward to this week's episode, hearing more about your Melbourne Marathon experiences. I think you were on the bike out there, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Most? I saw you at one point, maybe Fitzroy Street. Yes, it was starting to hurt there. <laughs> yeah. But, and Brady as well. Look forward to hearing your debrief. So, yeah. um Good work. Yeah, it was and, good. Uh, good to be out there, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, um, hopefully, we won't have to have a um, yeah cancellation again. <laughs> mm, that's it. Bring on. I'll um, chat to you all in the new year. Will do, Jess. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Have a good Chrissy, Jess. Thank you. Thank yeah. you too. Thanks, Jess. Bye. Jeez, fellas, we got lucky there with her doing a marathon. Yeah. yeah. Jeez, if you're not on Patreon, get on. <laughs> get on December, maybe January when she's on that panel. What are we looking at there, like Nagoya? Oh, I was thinking Houston, but I think that's end of Jan, isn't it? Or yeah, it's, really it's, definitely, no, it's definitely Jan. Yeah. Aren't they offering, isn't Nagoya paying 250000 for first place, US? Uh, isn't one? Yeah, yeah I reckon uh, that's what she got, She'll win that. <laughs> But Nagoya. You can, you can sign up to Patreon. You can listen to Australia's <laughs> fastest ever female marathoner on Australian soil. Hear her 10, 12-week build-up before she goes and wins 250,000 US at the Nagoya Marathon. You hear it here first. That's what I'm predicting. <laughs> Brady's excited. And He's up and about. We'll, we'll package it all. We'll send it off to the bloody, you know, Australian Institute of, like, sporting historical arch, archives or something like that and say, hey, this is going to live on the internet forever in your museum or something. Mm. Could be good, fellas. So next week, or so basically between now and um, the start of Jan, we will get the other two uh, panellists on for a chat as well. Yeah, there'll be only two more episodes before they start, won't there? Yeah, I think it's only it'll be three because yeah. they'll um, they'll record like on a Wednesday. So Did but, I tell uh, you guys yep. I'm going on long service leave as well and having four weeks off? Did I tell you guys about that? No, no you didn't. Yeah, off oh, from what? You're off, the weekly, off the weekly show. Oh, yeah, okay. I think I told yeah, you Yeah, that's not that. bad, actually. We'll get someone on. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got a few replacements. Different replacement it's, host each week. Four weeks. The agenda's sorted anyway. Yeah, you can do the agenda every week, and then I'll, I'll fill my seat for four weeks. Founded and formulated by professional athletes and leading accredited sports dietitians, Pillar Performance is bridging the gap between clinical medicine and sports supplementation. Australia's first sports micronutrition brand, Pillar's range is purposefully formulated to support joint health, recovery, energy production, and immunity. Pillar believes that optimal recovery and performance is more complex than just managing your macros, and arguably it's the micros or vitamins and minerals that are the true heavy hitters in performance nutrition. Purposefully formulated with elite outcomes in mind, Pillar uses only the best ingredients at a clinical dose to fuel peak performance. Pillar's opening range is led by Motion Armor, a first-to-market joint protection formulation and triple magnesium an elite sports magnesium for optimum muscle recovery. Pillar has become the choice of Australian sport thanks to their elite formulations and batch testing program, currently working with Ben St. Lawrence, Izzy Bat-Doyle and Riley Cox, along with more than 24 sporting teams across the country. For more information on Pillar Performance and their range of sports micronutrition, head to www.pillarperformance.com.au. To score yourself a discount on any purchases via Pillar's website, 
Use the code INSIDE10 for $10 off at checkout. Um, listen to question, Brad. Yeah, or just quickly before, so just the only other running oh, yeah, news, sorry. not really Australian-related, but just European cross-country results. It was a Norwegian double. So Jakob from Nor- Norway won the men's, and uh, Caroline Grovedal won the women's. So he's unstoppable, that boy. I'm sure so, Jimmy from France didn't win it there. You see how he celebrates every time? Jimmy Marissa? Yeah, I haven't seen many. of no, on Instagram, actually. isn't he? Did you, see, did you see him hurdle the finishing tape in that last cross-country yeah, race? Yeah, I did. That was I sick. Did. I like a bit of that kind of swag. Mm. So I used to see third. his Instagram stuff and laugh, like think this a bit of carry-on with this bloke. But then he's actually a very good runner. <laughs> like wears a hat backwards, backwards all, the all the time, even yeah. in races. Yeah, he's, even on the track. He's the guy that went to do the big like soccer um, knee slide. Oh, and, and he slipped. And, and then no, then he gripped and then face planted. Oh, that okay. was him. Uh, so that's that. Uh, listen to question, Bradley. All right. Just got two quick ones here. First one's from Sam. G'day, boys. Love the show. My Garmin got me at 42.76 kilometres yesterday. Can I claim the time I went through 42.2 kilometres on my Garmin as my marathon PB? I heard Brady's doing that for his half marathon PB. If it's good enough for that great man, then surely I can do it. Keep up the top-notch work, legends. Definitely, Sam. Do it. Sam, put it in your Instagram bio. Controversial. This is probably Moose on the Loose a little bit earlier, I'd imagine. The trigger involved right now. Even like while we were doing this, I clicked through and saw someone posted like their Strava best marathon effort, you know? Yeah, yeah, did mine come up like that? Okay, that's not not a marathon though. Like, so Mm. even your, your, some of your training partners, Brady, have pulled that out. Mine didn't. Mine didn't say best marathon effort. Um, no, nah, you can't do it, Sam. <laughs> yeah, I must have gone quicker than that. I must have done an even longer one. No, nah, but I thought this would be the longest distance I've got in a race before. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, Garmin, Sam, Garmin's aren't the gold standard when it comes to measuring marathon courses. It's the uh, it's the professionals that get out there and do it with a wheel. What about hear me, hear me out on this one though? Does Melbourne need to get the spray paint of the line going on the course so you know where it's measured from? Because there's a lot of turns in Melbourne. I love I'm, that. I'm Why saying, not? I'm saying, Sam, like Sam, like no, you can't claim that, Sam. And I didn't, I didn't claim it on my PB. I claim it taking the Inside Round Podcast half marathon record, which Bradley Croker agreed from which before is, I did it. Like, which is still, your, which is still your PB. It's not my PB. PB is 66-16 when I come third at the Melbourne half right. marathon a couple Good. of years ago. Good. Um, but um, 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 there's a point to be made here from Sam because – No, there isn't. No, no. He can't claim his PB. But Sam yesterday would have ran further than 42.2K. Yeah, but Guaranteed. so, so – did- I reckon Chip so many... probably ran that more than 5,000 on the track. He would have stepped down to lane two at one point. Sorry. Right? He, he, the difference between what he would have ran yesterday and what he would do in a track race or a 10K track race would be the percentage of it would be higher yesterday because there's a lot of turns in Melbourne, of course, and you never know when you're running the actual measured line. There's not that many turns. So what is, well, there's a lot of turns. There's a few corners. Well, a lot more than like Lake Biwa. There's three, four turns in that whole race. Six turns. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't, we're not. We shouldn't even think about this. Before we had fucking GPS, this wasn't a conversation. Yeah, true. Yeah, it was. Yeah, what time do you cross the finish line? Yeah, <laughs> that's, your, that's your time. And now yeah. all I've seen the past two days is people claiming bullshit PBs from what their watch said. Like, I, I saw someone yesterday. Actually, I think it was a coaching thing. Put it up. Like, oh, 
new PB, this, official time, like two minutes slower. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they actually put their official time up yeah. slower. Nah, it's almost another result. Yeah, and it's also another reason why even when you're training with GPS, like take it with a grain of salt at times. Yeah, that's because, a really good point you make. Yeah. Because I was doing um, so I was doing all my prep aiming for three eighteen pace. Like a lot of my marathon workouts were three eighteen. Yesterday I go run three eighteen. The difference is one of them I've been using a Coros for the last twelve weeks. Tomorrow I'm using it or yesterday I was using a measured course. Mm, so you got yeah. it. I should be doing those workouts going, Hey, let's start punching three fifteens because you're gonna have to go longer on work on the race day. Uh, Yes yesterday Croaks got me at two eighteen fifty two actually. It is my estimated best marathon in strawberry. 21852, eh? I knew I was in 21 shape. I was, I've been telling you guys that for the last four weeks. See, the other thing with your your training is like you find some really, really like I'm jealous of the loops that you find because like dead flat, straight roads, like good to get rhythm. Mm. Which but you know, this you is also find, the problem you, that I can't get you don't, the hills. Find, you don't find races like that like as good at that, as good at that. So. Anyway, and the second question, which I, um, so Dave Pato sent this one in today, which I thought was quite good actually. Do you think the Melbourne Marathon should keep December as its permanent fixture after this year's success? Um, that's one part in which race in Australia could potentially become the next major. That question comes in from Brandon. So for the first bit about, like I was amazed at how good the weather was like mid-December in Melbourne, like yesterday i'd say it was better than the last six years of melbourne melbourne marathons um no nah, there was some good ones there were some absolute belters in there yeah there's also been some like and i'm sure there could be some rubbish ones in december one one thing i like about this one is it would allow people to be able to actually do gold coast and melbourne whereas people that try to back up it's often quite a short turnaround july to october but july to december is like doable um plus i like the whole you do your marathon block you finish a couple of weeks before christmas and then you can actually enjoy that christmas period as a bit of downtime so there's you know, there's a lot a lot for it um i reckon but yeah, down, I so, sorry just yesterday. one thing one thing i'm gonna add the downside is um you probably won't like from an elite side you know if zatapet goes back to december you're probably going to miss out on a few of those elite guys. Well, are you though? Nah. If this if this becomes a made if this becomes some sort of selection race or credited like labelled race where you start to get some points allocated to it, and like you've got a true marathoner, say uh, Tom Bacanto, he's not going to pick Zatapec over this. This is going to be his this is going to be his chance to get on a team. Especially point roll down races. But... Oh yeah, if it's yeah, if if there's some benefit in running the marathon, you know, in terms of selection, because you know, Zatapex selection as well. Like no, but twenty grand even though twenty yeah. grand will get them there over Zatapex. Zatapex. I think they had taken another level up. I think Nike being involved. I think I don't think an Australian could might, might not win this race for the next five or six years because I think we're going to see two two eight guys here. Mm. Yeah, maybe, but Tim seem to in, like he indicated that they, they've really enjoyed it being like this domestic mm, like sort of race, championship yeah. Yeah. yeah and you can like it's a big difference going from something like this up to a labeled race and so you can still hype it as a as a domestic championship almost um and look around here like around this time we're, we're sort of empty of races mm. especially road races so mm. you've got hobart in 
in January, which isn't a fast place to run. Um, we found that out last year where no one went there when they could have tried to get selected for stuff. Um, and then nothing in Feb, nothing in March, or maybe Canberra. It's Canberra late March, April, early April. Mid-April, yeah, early, mid-April. early to mid-April. Early to mid-April. Like, there needs to be something in summer for those road athletes to train for. Otherwise, mm. they just go overseas. So you're a fan of December then, Moose, for Melbourne? I am, actually. Yeah, I am. Mm, yeah. And I like, the, I like the training block that's let in. I like the weather training a bit later mm. and being able to train when it's a bit warmer. I think that's helpful for fitness. Still do yeah. a full um, cross-country season. Yeah, and if I, and if, and if I keep it. it if I keep it as a six a.m. start, like you've got to be pretty unlucky to have like a super hot morning. Yeah. Like I've actually just got the the forecast for Melbourne up right now for the next week, and it's like you know lows of 16, 15, 13, 11, and then on Saturday it's a low of twenty one, like twenty one to thirty three. Like that would be that would be a rough day. But then you, yeah. the day after that's fourteen, and then the day after that's a low of thirteen. So you know you're always going to have that chance of a super hot day but you know on the whole it doesn't look too bad the one problem they had was the uh cricket though the dmcg uh, yeah so they um yeah they, they had to get permission to use the mcg for december because cricketers always have access to it so even like where we were there's melbourne star stuff all over the mm-hmm. room well actually uh, they left some beers in the fridge down there it's probably the earliest i've ever had a beer in my life eight i think we cracked one at eight forty a.m <laughs> after the race straight out of the fridge thanks yep, melbourne yep. stars the other thing with October is it's that sort of that spring period is quite windy on the yeah. whole. Um, whereas, yeah, so maybe the winds are a little bit lower, um, you know, come December. So, bloody, yeah, I'm a fan. nice anyway. This mm. is the race that can become the next major, I think, in Australia. Yeah, well, Gold Coast. Of, Gold, Gold Coast. Coast. <laughs> Gold Coast has that, like, tourist factor where you're going to draw, uh, like, sort of the – a lot of runners from Asia coming over for that, I think. Yeah, um, worldwide, Melbourne's a bigger city than Gold Coast. Yeah, well, it is, but Gold Coast has already got that tourist factor. I reckon they, they market a lot overseas. Um, I don't know whether that's good or not, but... Melbourne's got the culture, though. Melbourne has the race, too. It's got the, like, it's got the weather. Gold Coast always warm, pretty much. Um, never really get away from a warm Gold Coast, and... It's a bit more of, like you said, a sporty city. It's got yeah. that culture, like you mm. said. It's got a history there as well, back to, from, to the, the 70s when they were running it. Um, got that book, that Melbourne, the book that they gave out that time. Oh, I don't have it, actually. I don't remember Bloody that. Bloody good one. Yeah. Bloody good book. Every da- race. Yeah, it's got the results. I remember David Mead, a guy from Bendigo who won it a few times. He was in there. Yeah, there's some cool stuff in there. I do have it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bill Rogers used to come over and win it, didn't he? He ran it. He won it one year going up from Frankston. Someone else from over in America from win it too. Did Shorter? No, I wasn't sure. No, nah, he didn't do it. Um, Thought there was yeah. one other. No, I can't remember. Maybe we got that wrong. Um, yeah, Gold Coast or Melbourne, Sydney. Sydney ticks all the boxes. It's just uh, I don't think Sydney. Doesn't. Yeah, but it doesn't get supported by Australians. Yeah, because the course, it's not fast. and It's also in that real tricky period where, like, traditionally people, if they want to run a real fast one, go to Gold Coast in July. And so July to September isn't isn't doable. But yeah. which one's got to become a major? Like, Sydney's the destination place. Mm. You've got the Opera House, you've got the bridge. A lot of people overseas 
I'm swear they'd be sitting in the IAAF office saying we're going to make Sydney over Gold Coast or Melbourne. Anyway, yeah. we're, we're rambling on here. Yeah. You can have pros hey, and cons um, for each city. Hey, you know what we forgot to do now that Moose's internet's better? He didn't tell us about his 1K session. Oh, oh well, actually, it was my microphone. My microphone's playing up. So the listeners that have, have stuck with us for this long can maybe <laughs> hear the rest of Moose's, <laughs> Moose's weekly recap. I think we only got All right, quickly. Tuesday, didn't we? 254, three minutes, 255, three minutes, 257, 302. Oh, so I, I actually hung on. I hung on all right, especially on the uphill headwinds. Uh, it, was, it wasn't pretty, but I hate it blowing up in workouts. I've got to start off easier next time. And did you yeah. do a long run? I ran – so next morning after this, I ran real early before work So because I, I was never going to run Sunday or never run long on Sunday. So I got up and – so after this workout, I went to the gym, did a weight session – did a long run that Saturday morning, and I was fucked Saturday afternoon. My body was cooked. Uh, and then, yeah, I ran after the race finished. No, not race finished, but probably after about, I think I left at about um, 10 to go for a jog. I ran around the 10 a few times. So just it was pretty warm by that stage, probably about 26 degrees, I reckon. Uh, it was And saw the carnage of what was happening, like, Saw all the five to seven hour marathoners. Mm. Oh boy, there's some there are some sore bodies out there. How many k's for the week? Oh, 95. Oh yeah, getting there. Getting there. You know, he'll, have, he'll have yeah, the uh, he'll, he'll have the biggest week out of all of us this week, I reckon. Oh yeah, we're coming. I'm getting straight back in. Yeah. I pulled up fine after the super shoes. I reckon you I'm gonna run track next week. You should. Yeah, um, should have went down. out. Should have went out in sixty nine. Oh, then, mate, you're telling me. I'm feeling too fresh. Oh, man. It's been a while since I've beaten you in a race. You should come down and do Roo Run. Me. Yeah, Roo Run just in Anglesey. Eight k. Glenn McMillan, who I trained with up here a bit, he said he's coming down to smoke. Actually, he said <laughs> he's, he's got a holiday house or something down there. I think he's going down there. Nah, nah. This is fifteen thirty. Have... Glenn runs. I reckon. Yeah, you should be in better shape than that off that one k session. Might do. Uh, well, my watch says 15. I'll take that. It does say 15. My watch still says I'm running 226 for a marathon. Does it? I ran 220 yesterday, mate. Come on, update. And it said I'll be ready for hard training again in two hours. That was <laughs> lunchtime today. I'm like, oh, are you sure? I was going to take four days completely off. You should send that shit to the developers because yeah. they need to know. Yeah. <laughs> they need to know their product doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moose on the loose. Or have you got any other races other than the Roo Run? What's the other oh, one? Dude. Do the Geelong 5,000 metre championships, which is that, which is actually unofficial championships. It's Dawnbusters, you know, the 5K. Yeah. yeah. Have I beaten you there before? No, but I know it does. It's one of those races that has no relevance to anyone that lives outside of Geelong. So I wouldn't <laughs> bother going down, but I always hear you guys looping each other off about in Strava. Oh, it's, and stuff. it's big. It's a big, it's a big deal. Who are you going to race though? Like Gunther's just finished a marathon. Hutchie's finished a marathon. That one not be left, would there? Yeah, there'll be a few floating around. Nick Whiteman, he'd come he, back pretty quick. He just finished a marathon. Yeah. This should be easy takings for you. Nah, it's not. I'm, I, to, I just told you I can't run fast. My legs don't let me. We have the You're in a 254K. Yeah. How, fast do you, how fast do you need to run? Oh, at Dawnbusters, you've got to be in 14, 20 shape to win that. <laughs> oh, shit. Have to win you a do. No spa that ever wins at Dawnbusters. It's like the Bells Classic. Everyone. Oh, this might be the first year. <laughs> <laughs> Is it on the yeah. track or on the road? 
on the, it's it's around Geelong, like on the foreshore down at um, the bay, you know, Eastern Beach area. Oh yeah. So it's an odd course. You've got some sharp little climbs in them. You'll be no good. Mm. You go, you <laughs> we go just discussed that. <laughs> you go up the side of a hill, like full steep climb. Bit cross country about it. Oh yeah. Uh, moose on the loose perch of the week. We've kind of touched on a really oh, yeah. striker. Oh, how many flat lays can you see as well on Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting like you're gonna offend a lot of people here. This one, Moose. But by Sunday morning, I'm like I've seen enough people's kit already. Like <laughs> I get it. You're running a marathon. I get it. <laughs> but I understand it. I mean, I've done flat lays. I understand the passion. It's a good time to thank a few people. Before your race goes bad and you get cracking shits and you go off social media, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's everyone's up and about with their flat lays. Actually, uh, I usually don't mind a flat lay, but didn't you love a flat. Time. You were exactly the kind of punter who would do a flat. I didn't do it. I forgot to do it. You would have run two twenty five if you did. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel the more hype you put on your own social media, the higher risk of things going bad could potentially be. I reckon if I went through mine, I've probably got 15 flat lays sitting there through the years. I had a flat lay when I was pacing Gold Coast. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's a way to get Boy, to oh, get, boy. It's a way to get the engagement. I think it's the, only, it's, the only, it's the only flat lay I've done. What I don't get oh. about you, though, Moose, is you send through, you, you'd send five screenshots of stuff that triggers you on social media <laughs> every day, but you choose to follow all these people. I'm just like, why do you let it come into your life if it annoys you so much? No, there's something about me that loves getting triggered. Yeah. Sometimes, I, sometimes I go on people's accounts that I fucking hate and can't stand just to trigger myself for, for no good reason. Is that what you do before you race really well? You go in and just fire yourself up? But Yeah. I don't know why I do it, but uh, it's, it, you go and try it, though. See if it fires you up. I'll throw a few accounts at you to check out. <laughs> uh, is that segment finished? Do we actually do anything there? Yeah. Nah, I just made fun of flat lays, but look, I'll probably do a flat lay the next time I race. What's coming up? Anything, Bradley? Uh, sort of having a family Christmas. So Viv's uh, sister's flying down from Brisbane, so we're having sort of early family Christmas with Viv's family on Wednesday. Um, oh, I'm actually going to go to that run for resilience that Wednesday Wednesday night run. It's their two-year anniversary, so they're putting on some food and beers afterwards, so I'll get along to that this week. That's is that it. agony a defeat? No, no. So this is that one. Uh, remember I went like about a month ago? The mental health one. Uh, the mental health one, yeah, that starts at the pub and finishes oh, yeah, at the yeah, pub. Yeah. You did yeah, it a month six, ago. You went about six weeks ago and you well, haven't been back ago. since. Yeah. yeah, I'm going. This, I'm going Wednesday. Yeah, that's how you get in there, Moose. Free beer and free food. Yeah. Rocks up the two year anniversary after he's been once in the last two. No, years. They, well, they put they put free beer on every week. It's actually a fundraiser. Croaks <laughs> just goes down there and takes all the free beers. It won't even run. Just, Doesn't buy a raffle ticket. Yeah, yeah. hangs around in the corner. <laughs> hey, what are you doing, Moose? Between now and next week? Uh, off to work, of course. Got to work out tomorrow, and then. Um, going back up Sunday for the staff Christmas party. So fell around on Sunday. Oh, a few guys will go hard there when the boss is paying, won't they? Yeah. You put your actually, card over that's the a bar. worry. Got a few drinkers on, on the six, team now. What do you what do you supply? Um, a six-pack of VB and a cask of white wine? 
No, it's at a restaurant, so oh. <laughs> you get one drink with dinner and soft drinks after that if you want. <laughs> uh, um, and what about you, Brady? What's what's your plan now? Like, are you going to have a week off? When's the baby due? Yeah, baby's due 30th of December. So, um, yeah, I'm just having – I was going to have uh, pretty much take, yeah, three or four weeks to get back going, just not put any pressure on the run. Like, you know what it's like. Your wife's obviously pretty supportive when you're building for a marathon, and mm. this next month is just about um, being a supportive husband and dad and um, getting through the arrival of baby number two, which I'm kind of enjoying because I don't feel any pressure to hit workouts or X amount of Ks per week like my, my running year's over. And um, I'll put all the eggs in that basket. I do want to try and, that's why I was saying having, having four weeks off, like I want to try and go off all social media for the first four weeks of the baby's life and not do the podcast for four weeks and just like, just go into like this zen state for a month where I'll put my phone away mm. and just, um, because I'm on school holiday, so I don't have to go to work as well. So just uh, grow a massive beard, switch off from um, society, check my that's emails r- twice a day for my coaching stuff and then respond It's risky, to Brady. Risky you jumping ship for four weeks. The podcast may not uh, may well, not exist we'll when you come well, back. Look how well you've done tonight, Brad, with these notes. All I've got to do is find someone to be on Skype for an hour every Monday night for four weeks. And I think yeah. as well, like the listeners, I'm not going to have much to contribute with my training week. So they should, yeah, Welcome it's an opportunity. Yeah, no, but at least you can generate conversation and have a crack at me if you're not running. Will you listen to our, will you listen to it? Yeah, that's another thing. I actually want to, like, we created this because there wasn't an Australian running podcast, and now we created one, but you don't get to listen to it because you're um, on it every week. So I'd actually really enjoy just listening to the weekly show and not knowing what happens and to be able to be a fly on the wall and stuff. And hopefully I can get, I want to get four, um, four, like, different co-hosts every week, so not just have the same person for four weeks. So then you can hear about what running looks like in their life and where they are in Australia and their training groups and things like that. So I've got a bit of a know, list. I don't know about this, Moose. It's a bit of a stitch-up. He gets to basically choose who we have yeah. to uh, hang out with every week. No, it just takes wa- a little holiday. You're worried because they don't have... Holiday. You're worried because they won't be able to carry you guys for a month and you might have to do a bit of work. I'll still prepare the... No- I'll still be behind the scenes. I might do a few interviews to go on the back of the show. But I just want to try it. You know how we're so consumed with this... That's why YouTube dickheads are off Strava. It's exactly the same reason. I just want to try mm. this, though. Long oh, service, you, you fellas. Get off Strava, then. No, I like Strava. Just me. don't like you two guys. Ah, just long service, leave. I've done this for four years. So it'll be good. Don't worry. Are you save that up? Go on a big holiday or something? You're getting a bit, you're just getting a bit anxious, you two fellas. It's going to be fine. I'm not gonna, I'll just be one phone call away if you need me. <laughs> anyway, so last week will be on next week for four weeks, and then um, we might have a baby this time next week. We might not. See what happens. We're done though, aren't we? All right. Have a good week, guys. See you, boys. See ya. Bye. This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by Pillar Performance, Australia's first sports micronutrition brand. Head to pillarperformance.com.au to learn more about their formulations for joint longevity, recovery, energy, and immunity.